lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Speaking of Facebook, had to respond to them yesterday claiming with their science review team. Is that what it's called? Something like that. Yeah, it's non-biased, whatever yeah, yeah, it is. Yes, claiming I had posted fake news. So I went on my Facebook page, so I, I went to look to see what the fake news was. And it was a New York Times story. And so I, I haven't got my answer back yet, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out why I'm... Do you, do you know why I'm being fact-checked over a New York Times story? Who did the story? Did I do the story? Or did the New York Times do the story? Who did the story? The New York Times did the story. So then who should get fact-checked? You. Apparently. Yes. Math. Yeah, yes. I should get fact-checked over a New York Times story. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah. 2020, y'all. It's rocking a law. All right. What do we got going on here today? Of course, normal Friday order of business. Our good friend Josh Hammer is going to be joining us here momentarily for the Dace Group Roundtable. Maybe he can tell me why I'm being fact-checked over a story the New York Times actually did. Uh, we'll also have some feedback Friday. I know I heard from plenty of you. We weren't able to mix in Theology Thursday yesterday. Uh, we were trying to squeeze Senator Cruz into the show about that CDC letter all week long, and that was the only window we could get him. So I'm going to make up for it today. I'm going to make sure the very first note we tackle in Feedback Friday is going to be theological to kind of give you a make good. There's also something I need to touch on Speaking of fake news about the virus, I've got to get into what you're being told about herd immunity, but I'm going to do it next hour because I don't want to eat into the day group time, okay? But the hackery here, just being, it reminds me of going through the polling earlier this week, just, just being lied to right to your face, to your face. So don't let me forget to get into this for a few oh, minutes next hour, okay? So we're going to touch on all of that. But first, we begin with the day script. That delay was my fault. Aaron was fully expecting me to engage in self-promotion about my new book, pre-sales, going on right now, by the way, at Amazon, okay? A reasonable expectation, which is know. Which means he's worked here for more than a minute, because that's <laughs> a reasonable expectation, yes, uh, for me to pump my own, <laughs> my own work. I forgot to do that, hence the delay. That was not on Aaron. That was on me. Uh, our weekly look at the week that was brought to you by Freedom Financial. You know, being in debt sucks. Credit cards, student loans, mortgages, doesn't matter what kind. Being in debt flat out sucks. 
All right. That's why if you're losing sleep over maxed out credit cards, you're stressed out thinking about mortgage payments, student loans, bills.com can help you take back control of your life. The first step is to, lower, to lowering your monthly payments and becoming debt free is to get a free debt assessment. It only takes a few minutes, could save you hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars each month from debt settlement to personal loan consolidation to student loans, mortgage refinancing. Bills.com has got you covered. They're part of the Freedom Financial Network and that's been in business since 2002. They have settled over $10 billion, with a B, $10 billion in debt. So take the first step towards defeating your debt. Get your free debt assessment today. Go to bills.com slash Steve. That's bills.com slash Steve. Bills.com slash Steve. Again, we say hello to the op-ed page editor over at Newsweek, Josh Hammer. Josh, good to have you back with us. Let's get to it. Issue one, bleep Democrats say. Whether you are for or against the topic that is being protested, nobody should fear for their safety. That's right. Nobody. And I want to deliver the message to the family. We do not win if we rely on an election. We support peaceful demonstrations. We participate in them. They are part of the essence of our democracy. That does not include looting, starting fires, or rioting. Those are, they should be prosecuted. That is lawlessness. We're in the midst of a climate emergency. Uh, We're in the midst of a climate crisis. Wildfires are burning the suburbs of the West. Floods are wiping out suburban neighborhoods in the Midwest. Hurricanes are imperiling suburban life along our coast. We have four more years of Trump's climate denial. How many suburbs will be burned in wildfires? How many suburban neighborhoods will have been flooded out? And when it comes to the coronavirus, they have contempt for science. That's why we have almost 200,000 people who will lose their lives by the end of this week. 200,000 people. If the president had done his job, had done his job from the beginning, all the people would still be alive. All the people, I'm not making this up, just look at the data. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID than when I take a COVID vaccine. And and one of the biggest dilemmas for any of us as a parent is what to do about our kids in school. K through 12, college, all of that. And we all want them to go back to school. It won't be until we get into 2021 that you'll have hundreds of millions of doses. And just the logistics constraints in vaccinating large numbers of people, it's going to take months to get enough people vaccinated to have an umbrella of immunity. Because if you could take care, you were a quartermaster, you can sure and help take care of running a, you know, a department store, uh, you know, or second floor of the ladies department. You know what I mean? Harris-Biden administration is going to relaunch that effort. A Harris administration together with Joe Biden. There are going to be no deportations in the first 100 days of my campaign. I continue to believe that Donald Trump is compromised by the Russians. But the importance of signing our organ donor cards 
But this year, for the first time in my life, I have decided not to sign it. And here's why. I realize how despicable society is. How many evil people are out there. Especially since coming to TikTok even more so. And I've decided that there's no way on earth that I want any of you to ever get my organs if I die. The only people I would ever want would be vegan animal rights activists because I will give those organs to those people and I know they will not be murdering animals to put into that body. By the way, just to go to the Josh. Josh, you don't get her. She's mine. (laughs) Hands off her, Josh. She's a one-woman man. Todd's already staked his claim. All right. By the way, I just want to I just want to verify what Joe Biden was talking about with uh, the California wildfires and what four more years of Donald Trump will mean that uh, that they'll just you know the whole state of California will burn down. Uh, if you look at a total of eight thousand seven hundred and forty five wildfires in California have burned a total area of get this eight hundred and ninety three thousand ninety three thousand three hundred and sixty two acres, folks. Um, I mean, that's. One fire has already destroyed 32,000 acres. Um, It's estimated by the time it is done, it'll destroy 65,000 acres totally on its own. That's pretty devastating. Yep. That's a report from 2015 when Joe Biden was vice president. All right. So, gentlemen, let's get to it. Uh, Your favorite slice of crazy cake this week. Josh, you're up. So out of respect for my brother, Todd, I will save that last clip we saw for him. That was really something else, though. Um, I That laughter was genuine. That was not forced. That was really something. But holding that aside, um, this Kamala Harris Freudian slip about a Harris administration, probably the most remarkable Freudian slip I've perhaps ever seen in politics. I mean, talk about letting the cat out of the bag and saying the silent part out loud. Everyone in their right mind. Looking at Joe Biden, the way his campaign has kept him hidden in the Delaware basement. He's done so few campaigns. He can't even do a five-minute interview without a teleprompter. We, we, we look at him talk. We all know that he is going senescent, that he is probably going senile. And at the, at the majority of Americans now poll. They say that they do not expect Joe Biden to last four years in office. That is a majority sentiment. I, I'm not sure if it's a majority of Democrats, but it's a majority of all Americans. So everyone in the right mind knows. There is a very high likelihood that this actually will be, of course, a Kamala Harris leftist administration. And talk about just letting the silent part out loud. That was unbelievable candor, frankly. I, I, I actually, in a, in a sense, almost praise her for being so open and candid with us. So uh, holding the final part, the vegan woman, whatever, aside, that was the craziest thing for me. Um, a, a scale of one to ten, I guess we'll get to that. But I mean, that final woman makes it full ten out of ten from my perspective. How about Biden repeating that same Freudian slip? himself the next day how about them apples yeah crazy no crazy they're on they're on the same page they both they both know that this is what's going to happen aaron i i think for me it's the juxtaposition of joe biden last night saying um if, if donald trump would have done things the right thing nobody would have died not a single person i'm not making this up look at the data cut to robert redfield with absolutely no data saying the data is in these masks work better than vaccines ain't that ain't that just a summation of what we've been fed with this virus and the politicization of this virus over the last six to seven months. I don't really have more to say than that. I mean, it's just 
it's not even it's not even uh peeing on you and tell you telling you it's raining i mean it it's is just whole cloth gaslighting man. whole cloth in real time in yes, daylight yeah. yeah so that's that's my favorite i mean it, it's it's literally just I, I i can't even describe it it's newspeak it's orwellian is is and it's we're going to get into even more of it that you're watching happen right now in real time on herd immunity we're getting into more of that next hour todd well that that last lady to believe that you are so beneath me as a fellow human that i'd rather have you die than receive my organs is crazy all by itself but it's not the craziest thing in there the most remarkable thing about that is that she this light bulb went in her head she learned the truth of this when she said she went to tiktok (laughs) that's her rosetta stone We just banned it in the United States. I mean, it's going into practice as we speak, but that's her Rosetta Stone for truth. Fascinating. Maybe they should have called it Plumline all this time instead of TikTok, right? But the real, uh, the quiet part out loud is is the woman, I believe, dressed in orange, who's saying we simply can't rely on democracy. Uh, the, the election, excuse me, the election. That That is everything about progressivism they can't rely on the will of the people they cannot rely on the constitution everything embedded in that notion we cannot rely on this election is 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 tearing down at the fundamentals of who we are as a people she's telling you i'm a revolutionary she's telling you this is a civil war and we know how many people by now, including, I believe, right after that came Nancy Pelosi, who just now has received the polling that um, burning yeah. cities you know. down across yes. America is bad. Yeah. I, now, you know, their polling collapsed because that was her. How about the fact that was not her initial in- instinct? What is she, third, fourth in line to the yeah. presidency? That was not her initial instinct exactly. to condemn that behavior. Their collapsed polling had to drag her kicking and screaming yeah. there. After what? Four months or yeah. whatever of this. I, I just want to stress the, the exclamation point on what I just said is what Steve said about being Orwellian. There is not a time in human history, and I'm including the Holocaust. The cost in lives there is obviously astronomically more, but, but in terms of how the doublespeak you talk about, we are living under the thumb of the upside down right now. And th- what Aaron put together in that montage is just living proof of either we, whoever's left of normalcy in this country, get our act together and fight, or tomorrow is gone. Get to the exit question on a scale of one to 10, with one being as credible as Mitt Romney's severe, criti- uh, severe conservatism, my bad, uh, and 10 being uh, as awkward as pretty much anything Joe Biden says these days. Uh, rate this week's level of total depravity, Todd. 10. Aaron. 10. Josh. I'm a 10. Issue two, 46 days. What a week it was in the race for the White House. President Trump signed an historic peace agreement between Israel, the United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain. Together, these agreements will serve as the foundation for a comprehensive peace across the entire region. Then he held a town hall in Philadelphia hosted by ABC News. Why did you throw vulnerable people like me under the bus? Why don't you wear a mask more often? Please stop and let me finish my question, sir. Why would you downplay a pandemic that is known to disproportionately harm 
low-income families and minority communities. Why don't you support a mandate for national mask wearing? Later in the week, he announced the formation of something called the 1776 Commission, aimed at taking place on the proliferation of the Marxist and race-baiting 1619 Project taught in public schools. The left has warped, distorted, and defiled the American story with deceptions, falsehoods, and lies. There is no better example than the New York Times totally discredited 1619 Project. This project rewrites American history to teach our children that we were founded on the principle of oppression, not freedom. Nothing could be further from the truth. Joe Biden, meanwhile. Because if you could take care, if you were a quartermaster, you can sure and help take care of running a, you know, department store uh, thing, you know, we're in the second floor of the ladies department or whatever, you know what I mean? You will not purchase anything that is not made in America, including, including the down river uh, 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 line of, of what has to be done all the parts. You can't do what he's doing now. You can't do where he's given a tax break to companies that in fact go overseas, bring their, and then import the product back into the United States of America. The Real Clear Politics polling average nationally has Joe Biden with a 5.9 point lead over Donald Trump. Last week at this time, it was an eight point lead. Are we being punked? That's, that's really, that 60 million people are going to vote for that to be the president of the United States. Really? I mean, folks, we are two minutes away from Joe Biden going. And when you drop the, the, the minuscule into the uh, fallopian tube, and out comes the exaggeration of the manifestation. Remember that dude, Damon Wayne's character from In Living Color? We are oh, yes. five minutes away from Joe Biden dropping fallopian tube awkwardly in a situation where it does not belong. And 60 million people are going to stand up and vote for that to be president of the United States. Really? 50 million people are going to do it? 40? 30? 15? A dozen. What's the big story in the presidential campaign this week? Josh, you get to go first this time. So the most important story for the world, I think, for the United States is what happened in the Middle East. Uh, But that's actually, I think, not the question. So I actually have a different answer to the question. I, I think the 1776 Commission is probably the most important for the actual campaign for the election because it's actually the fulfillment of something that I and I think so many others have been writing in column after column and saying in podcast after podcast for months and months now, which is for Trump to draw a stark contrast between the BLM 1619 project, civilizational arsonist, uproot the entire edifice, destroy the constitution, all of that, and a robust, unapologetic defense of the American project itself, of, of the American project, of the American governance, of our system of government, and of our, of our way of life. And it seems like he's finally taking affirmative steps to do that. So I was really excited to do that. 
I do think the Middle East peace issue, which you know I watched on Tuesday, I, I got teary-eyed. It was a very beautiful ceremony at the White House. That is the biggest issue for the world. Um, but for the campaign and for Trump's re-election, I think it is the establishment of the 1776 Commission. Todd? Well, that echoes what I said about, you know, normal people taking back uh, the country uh, in the last segment. I, I obviously totally agree. And Josh, your your tweet about that, uh, calling it a masterful troll, I mean, just understanding the moment, you were dead on. But I'm going to go back to the beginning of that montage. And we talked about this a little bit on the show yesterday, I believe. But I think the most important part of this is that after that ridiculous dog and pony show with the socially distanced masked uh bots asking trump question after question after question we woke up the next morning and there was no oh my god what did trump say about that it's it's because they're getting that absurd and crazy and trump is showing he's on target if he can continue this, this is the modern-day equivalent of, of Nixon-McGovern because of how just bad they are at it and crazy at the same time and how Donald Trump has decided, I legitimately want to be the grown-up in the room. Aaron? I think the biggest story for the campaign actually continued yesterday but it didn't have um it, it didn't have its origins in either campaign it was nancy pelosi and that clip we had and bleep democrats say acknowledging finally and we talked about it a little bit ago uh yeah um we, we support on second uh, thought. yeah, on, yeah. Th- on second thought uh after reviewing the here's how you win friends and influence people in the political realm guys step one uh, start a race war. Step two, burn cities to the ground. Step two, B, uh, yell at people and get in their face and compel them to make a salute to your cause while they're enjoying dining out. Step three, when polls don't go your way, uh, do what Nancy Pelosi did the other day. That is a tacit acknowledgement, obviously. And it, actually, it's an explicit acknowledgement. Y'all are killing us. Y'all are killing us right now. The Speaker of the House went and spoke on the floor about all of these things that's how close it is to being on their radar and of course people are people are talking about that youtuber who went and dropped a deuce on on nancy pelosi uh, nancy pelosi's driveway being the impetus that's funny it's it's being that we've had this is the first i've actually heard of that yeah the yeah. being that we've had uh weeks a couple of at least a couple of weeks now from both the campaign and now nancy pelosi saying similar things and at least making winks and nods or yeah you guys need to Jonah Hill, cut this out. But see, the thing is, like everything that the old school liberals and old school radicals created, they can't control it now. Okay, a few weeks ago in Minneapolis, guys, a few weeks ago, a guy, a perpetrator, a perp, shot himself in public on a sidewalk as he was being chased by the police. Black Lives Matter, the radicals in Minneapolis decided to just lie about that and say the police had shot him that resulted in one night of looting and rioting okay we've had this we've had multiple instances of things like that as well where it's just we're just going to make bleep up and knowing that our black lives matter and our radicals and our community organizers are going to go up there and rip people into a frenzy that's that's not going to stop any excuse they have to get their riot on, they are going to take it. They're going to take it. They can't control it at this, at this moment. And I think the more, the more that this campaign and the left 
uh, I should say Democrats, acknowledge that these are not helping them. And the more that they actually continue, the more this is actually going to blow up in their face. Josh, I want to give you a chance to respond uh, to what Todd and Aaron had to say and, and get your thoughts on it. And I'll, I'll throw in something I want to get your response to as well is I, I went through and put my old campaign flag hat on and went through some of the public polling this week. And <clears throat> Joe Biden may win on November 3rd. It's not going to be by literally any of the ways that are like in any single one of these polls where he's winning. I mean, the methodology is so bad, so flawed, so sloppy, so baseless. I, I, I wouldn't put my name on it let alone publish it. Yeah, I have to just start believing that all these people cannot be this simultaneously bad. So it's got to be an op to just set the ground rules for challenging the election if they lose and say, hey, we had all this data that said he was going to win. He clearly stole the election because I just can't believe they're all this bad at it. I'd gotten fired on any campaign I ever worked on or wanted to work on or any campaign I covered as a journalist. I would have gotten canned uh, or commentator for presenting this kind of data. And yet it's all throughout the real clear politics polling average, because when I look at the environment, look at the issues we're talking about. How quickly can we get the economy bounced back? When are the kids full time going back to school? Let's get football back on the field. Um, when is it safe to go back to the movies? Uh, Middle East peace deals. This doesn't strike me as the kind of environment where where Joe Biden's going to outperform Barack Obama in 2012, according to the current polling. But what are your thoughts? So I largely echo what you just said, Steve. You know, it's it's funny. My actually brand new um, deputy opinion editor and I at Newsweek are actually right now. We so if you're, if you're currently watching this and you fit this, please do email me at j.hammerandnewsweek.com. Which I I am trying to find uh, a polling expert or two to write on this precise topic. I'm trying to actively commission op-eds for people to basically say kind of what you just said, Steve, which is this doesn't look right. It kind of looks a little fishy, and we can go poll by poll. And break that down if you want. But, you know, there's a there was a poll out of Florida where Trump was actually winning the Hispanic vote. Right. There was mm -hmm. another poll a couple of weeks ago where uh, in the crosstabs he was winning 19 percent black support. If Trump wins 19 percent black support, this thing is a landslide. I mean, he's going to be the highest three. percentage any Republican won since 1960, Josh, since 1960. Yeah, un un unbelievable. Now, now what, what I do, Steve, is when I look at like the national horse race polling, the real clear politics average, I literally take five to six points off the top and just shuffle it from Biden to Trump. And I do that for two reasons. One is in the current climate where Republicans, conservatives are literally being outed and basically fired in private corporations just for holding the beliefs they do. Obviously, look at Mr. Demore at Google. What happened a few years ago there is one prime example of that. I literally think you can take two to three points, these polls right off the top and say Republicans are going to hear a pollster. They're going to hang up the phone. They're going to lie. You know, the old school kind of Bradley effect kind of thing going on here. So you you take that and then you add, obviously, the, the probably two to three point electoral college built in advantage that we, that we saw in 2016. So I think five to six points from the very top of these polls in national horse race polling can just go from from Biden to Trump right off the top before getting into the nitty gritty. So. I largely share your skepticism of what we're seeing here, um, but I do think it's justified. To, to get to what to what Aaron was saying, um, look, I, the Democratic Party is so obviously kowtowing now. They are in the back pocket of an anti-American, anti-Western civilization movement. Well, the Black Lives Matter Antifa Brigade, they are the tail that is running the dog that is the Democratic Party institutional apparatus. And they can like purport to condemn Antifa. They can, Nancy Pelosi can like, 
kind of sort of get on the floor and say, we don't believe in rioting. We're just peaceful protesters. Trying to conjure up the images, of course, from kind of the, you know, the countertop sit-ins in Greensboro, North Carolina from the 1960s. But we all know what they're doing. They are winking and nodding to the radicals in their base. Look at who they had talk of the Democratic National Convention. Linda Sarsour, Tamika Mallory, these Jew-hating bigots. I mean, it, it, this is a party that is fundamentally at this point anti-American. My worry is that so many people at this point don't even know or care about this because they there's this mentality for a lot of Democrats that they just all they care about is anti-Trump, anti-Trump, and they, they're willfully blind to what's going on. So I worry about that to an extent. But to kind of circle back and get back to your point, I really do share your skepticism of a lot of this polling that we're seeing. Exit question. If the election were held today, who would win? Aaron. Uh, Donald Trump. Todd. Donald Trump. Josh. So right now, I actually probably think Biden is weaker. However, um, I am predicting that Trump is going to wallop Biden in the debates that we have. And I think the trends that we were just talking about are going to continue to accelerate. So I think by Election Day, Trump will actually prevail. I think at worst, Trump is in a position that he has forced Biden out of the basement. And now Biden has to show for at least the first debate. A couple of months ago, that was not guaranteed that he was going to have to. And, and yeah, you would absorb a blow for punking out, but you'd maybe had enough of a lead that you could absorb that cushion rather than the, the risk of exposing yourself in that setting to 100 million plus people for two hours. At the very least, the worst this is the worst case scenario that I think Trump is in here, 46 days left. At the very least, he's forced Biden out of the basement. So we're getting these blunders. I mean, how many days in a row have you had these in your montage to open the show? Okay, because oh, he can't talk, yeah. guys. He has dementia. I'm sorry. He does has dementia. At the very least, he's forced that out into the forefront and he's forced he's, he's narrowed the race enough to force Biden to show up at the debates. That's the worst case scenario that Trump is in. All right. When we come back, we're going to debate. Is it science? Is it pseudoscience? Is it wish casting or is it a cult? The mask is next. You know, one of the reasons we're taking so many supplements these days is because the good stuff has been stripped bare out of our food. A lot of what we buy at the store is sterile nowadays, uh, minus a lot of the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, uh, etc. Antioxidants, pre and probiotics that we need uh, the most because they want the food there to last for a long time on the shelf and, and make it available for mass consumption. Same thing happens with our pets and their food as well. A lot of that pet food you buy at the store, it's sterile too. And maybe your dog needs a supplement. That's where Rough Greens VitaSmart comes in. It puts all the good stuff back in to the food that your pet already loves. And apparently it's going to make your pet love their food even more because our dog Cap absolutely loves this stuff. It's just a powder that you put on top of your dog's food, mix it in, and they're good to go. It's essentially vitamins for your dog. And you can try it right now. Try the 14-day Jumpstart Challenge today to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less for just $14.95 when you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. All right, let's get to issue three here on the Dace Group, The Mask. Robert Redfield, the chief of the Centers for Disease Control, made waves this week when he said this in front of a congressional panel. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me 
against COVID that when I take a COVID vaccine, because the immunogenicity may be 70%, and if I don't get an immune response, the vaccine's not going to protect me. This face mask will. Six months ago, he said this. Should you wear a mask if you're healthy? No. Just last month, in a letter to Senator Ted Cruz, he said masks' primary purpose was to protect others, not necessarily the wearer. It's just the latest addition in a long line of confusion over non-pharmaceutical interventions to quell the spread of Wuhan coronavirus. Rational Ground, a new website started by a group of researchers and data analysts, developed a tool recently which cross-references county-level data on COVID deaths and cases with a survey on mask usage the New York Times recently published. If masks work, the line on the x-axis on this chart should be pointing downwards in areas where masks are mandatory. In California, where masks have been mandatory for months, that line is sloping upwards. In Hawaii, where masks have been mandated for even longer, that line is pointed straight upwards. In Georgia, where no masks are mandated, the line is pretty much stagnant. And in Florida, where no masks are mandated, the line slopes downward. The world, by the way, is still waiting on the Danish face mask study, which has not been released yet for reasons only Allah knows. Yeah, that first random controlled study of masks as within a population as a mitigation against uh, coronavirus was supposed to be published by uh, the it's the Dutch government or the Danish government by the end of August. Well, we're almost to the end of September and we still haven't seen anything. But here's what we have seen. The government that has not revealed its findings is not mandating that its people wear masks. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not Doyle Brunson in the poker world, but I think they would call that a tell, right? I mean, I would think if they were sitting on findings that it worked, they'd be telling their people to wear masks. Don't I think that's a reasonable assumption? Sure. Okay. I know when, what happens when you assume, right? But I think that is a, a reasonable assumption. All right. So Aaron went through this timeline in March. Don't wear a mask. Like Sanjay Gupta is on CNN as we speak saying, I've got sources telling me Trump could have saved 80 to 90% of lives if he would have had everybody wearing masks. Back in early March, when I suggested on this show we should wear masks instead of shutting the country down. Remember that? I do. Sanjay Gupta wrote in early March, masks don't work. Okay? So in March, Robert Redfield, masks were unnecessary. They don't work. As Aaron noted, told Ted Cruz in a letter, end of August, they don't protect the wearer to help you to protect other people around you when you sneeze or you cough. And now he's saying it's going to be even better than the vaccine we still don't have because we've never developed a vaccine that is safe for humans uh, in the history of our knowledge of coronaviruses. So um, which of these is true? Josh, do you know? I'm doing this. Which is true, Josh? Spin me around a couple times and I'll land on one. Steve, I don't really know what is true, what is false. What I do know is that we are being misled and lied to. Um, I I am not a scientist. I am not a virologist. I do not know everything there is to know about how particles and spittle can fly out of your mouth, how it can transmit to someone else. But what I can see is what I see with my own two eyes. And the clip we just saw there with Redfield going back and forth, you know, with the inquiry from the, uh, I think it was a Democrat, if I recall, to the hearing yesterday. Fauci, of course, is even more guilty of this. You can go back, what was it, in March when Fauci was saying, don't wear a mask if you're healthy? March 8th, I think it was on 60 Minutes. No, it's silly for healthy people to wear masks. Yep. 
Yeah, exactly. These people are hypocrites on stilts, okay? And you know what? I mean, like, how can I pretend to know what I'm talking about if the purported genius in the room, Fauci, who's been in there for decades, knows what he's talking about? But this hypocrisy is driving me crazy. And it leads me to only one conclusion, which I think is the conclusion that all four of us on this panel share, which is that we are being gaslit. There yeah. is gas. Yeah. We are being gaslit. Yep. You, you, you can't. No. <laughs> Sorry, I got, got a little excited there. No. But like you, Listen, you speak for all of us with yeah. that. Yes. Yes, go ahead. No, but like, sorry about that. But like, you can't just change your mind willy-nilly and expect us to willfully comply. Why not? Like, I mean, it's only 60 million jobs or 40 million jobs and a couple, three, four, 10 million family businesses and, you know, the whole world starvation rate that relies on us to produce its food. I mean, we got, we got time for them to kind of just, you know, uh, uh, figure this thing out in real time and just kind of guesstimate all over the place, right? You know, what, what I can say, Steve, I'm actually really happy I'm on the podcast this week because one thing happened to me that I think is is, is really telling. My, I think it was my most liked tweet of all time happened this past week. It was like on Sunday night or Monday. And it was about this precise issue, actually. It was literally a friendly reminder that back in March, the only reason that these lockdown policies were, were that the government offered them, that we the citizenry, to the extent we accepted it, accepted it en masse, the only reason was to prevent hospital capacity overload. That was it. Mm -hmm. We were not waiting for a vaccine. We were not waiting for anything else other than for hospital capacity to figure it out. That was the entire impetus of, as our friend Jordan Schachtel reminds us, basically every day nowadays on Twitter, of quote unquote, 15 days to slow the spread. It was all about hospital capacity. Is anyone making that point anymore? That was literally the fact that that was the most liked tweet I've ever had, I think is very telling. Because it means that people have actually forgotten that because we've been so consistently misled, gaslit, and lied to for months now that these lockdowns, these masks and everything we're doing are waiting for a vaccine. But that's not what we signed up for. That's not what we agreed to. And to the extent that they're trying to do a bait and switch, shift the goalposts on us, it is government duplicity 101 and we should not stand for it. Currently, 1.6% of all emergency room visits in America are for COVID-like symptoms. 1.6%. Now, the audience knows what the three of us think about this because we talk about it all the time. That's why I gave Josh some more time. So do you guys have a, a very quick take on this before we move on? This is totally at the level of farce now. It, just based on all the data. How, the Hippocratic Oath has clearly meant nothing. Doctors should never, ever, no matter what they're doing, whether they're playing golf or going to their kids' school for parent-teacher conferences, they should wear a mask all the time, no matter what. Too much is at stake. I mean, if the principle that's at stake yes. here is true. Right. Everything. Yeah. Not only to set the example, but dear God. And it, they should have been demanding is, it for decades during every flu season. Why weren't we yes, wearing masks if the, then? If yeah. this is better than a vaccine, as the good doctor just said, how on earth are is anybody walking the earth ever again without these things on? It's all out there on the table. I'm not being remotely hyperbolic based on what I'm saying. That's what they're telling you. Because we know the data right now regarding the flu and regarding this thing. And if we have to wear it all the time for this thing, we absolutely have to wear it all the time with the flu, which is not going away. It's always going to be here. Oh, except the fact- in the South. Apparently the flu, they didn't have so, a flu season in the South this year. Like, 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 like didn't happen, apparently. Just this all, is why I said, amazing. Was, you've yeah. never been lied to in all of human history like you are being right now. Aaron, very quickly. Yeah, I, I think if... 
if all of these non-pharmaceutical interventions, and that was part of the name of that paper from the Imperial College in the United Kingdom, non-pharmaceutical interventions for COVID-19 that got the world worked up into a lather and caused and was the initial impetus for most of the shutdowns around the world. Um, if, if, If it is just the absolute most benefit of the doubt, the absolute most benefit of the doubt in actual good faith effort this entire six months, these entire six months to actually find good medical practices for slowing the spread of COVID-19 outside of therapeutics or a vaccine, then most of our medical community has more akin, especially the leadership and the establishment, has more in common with native witch doctors than they do actual scientists. Because witch doctors, I doubt they change their chants. I doubt they change their hmm. uh, conjuring uh, you know, uh, ceremonies and things like that as much as science has changed in the last six months. And if it's something else, if it's not a good faith effort, then we are living in 1984. Whole cloth. Exit question of the efficacy of masks to protect us from coronavirus, and when I mean protect us as a society, on a societal level, were a song on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, which song would it be? A, any color you like. B, money. C, brain damage. D, on the run. Which one, Aaron? Brain damage. Todd. Brain damage. Josh. Brain damage. Issue four. How much credit does Trump deserve? Big Ten football is back. The conference announced this week they'll be starting a nine games in nine weeks season starting the weekend of October 23rd and 24th. This news comes after over a month of terrible publicity for the league after their previous announcement that they were all but canceling the season due to fears over the coronavirus. In the last month, the league commissioner, Kevin Warren, along with university presidents, notably University of Michigan President Mark Schlissel, were at the butt end of player, coach, parent, and fan backlash over the league's handling and opacity of how they reached their decision. A lawsuit out of the state of Nebraska on behalf of some Big Ten players also roiled the conference. Not too long ago, Commissioner Kevin Warren met with President Trump to talk about the Big Ten's decision not to play. And now that they are playing, President Trump took a victory lap on Twitter. Great news, Big Ten football is back. All teams to participate. Thank you to the players, coaches, parents, and all school representatives. Have a fantastic season. It is my great honor to have helped. Now that the Big Ten has announced its return, political roadblocks have magically been removed in the Pac-12 footprint as California and Oregon's governors have all but cleared the way for that league to return. The Mountain West Conference, as well as the Mid-American Conference, have also reportedly begun working on plans to return to play this fall as well. All right. First and only question on a scale of one to ten, with one being Mitt Romney's severe conservatism and ten being whatever the hell Nancy Pelosi's eyebrows are doing these days. How much credit does President Trump deserve for the return of Big Ten football, Todd? About a two. You want more? I mean, you give me 20 seconds to extrapolate on that. I just, you just have to think about it in terms of this. If nobody else had done anything to push back and it was just Donald Trump, would the Big Ten be back? I think the answer is obviously no. It had to do with so many other variables. It was appreciated, but there were many variables that were more important than him. I'm grateful for it. He did good work. Josh, what do you think? You know, I'm a little more generous than Todd, but I mean, it's it's hard to think that it came that much from the top down. I mean, maybe like a five or a six, something like that. That's probably where I would be. Aaron? 
Oh, I'm at a 10, actually. The more that I, hmm. yeah, the I more that I think about this, I'm actually at a 10. Because if it's just the parents and just the players, it was obvious the Big Ten was intent on, on, uh, on you know, just saying, oh, sorry, sorry, sucks to suck. Uh, if it was just Donald Trump, it would be uh, double bird towards him. But put those both both of those together. Yeah, the parents, the players, and Donald Trump together. That's way too much. That's Agreed. way too much. That's and why. Then, that's but that's why I went to a five because I yeah. kind of think they they it was a symbiotic symbiotic work together. Work but together. I, yeah. I think that yeah, I think the culmination of Trump tweeting about this and shedding light on it on a consistent basis. I think that's really what put it over the top. Let's get to predictions, Aaron. I'll go right back to you. Uh, I would say that uh, at least this is a far cry from what I predicted a few weeks ago. I will say at least four Big Ten games will unfortunately have to be canceled this season because of the stringent, the extra stringent testing measures the Big Ten has put in place. Todd, college football games, uh, particularly in the Big Ten and especially in the Pac-12, if they return, are going to be the sites of uh, radical level BLM Antifa protests. All right, Josh. So to follow up on what we were talking about earlier, I predict that Biden will definitely start these debates with Trump, but his campaign will find some excuse for him to not finish them, in part because he's getting walloped so badly. And that it, that itself will not be taken very well by the American people, and that will ultimately help and be one of many factors leading to a very narrow, I think, but not too narrow, a decisive but nonetheless not massive victory for Trump on November 3rd. Uh, my prediction is actually similar to yours. Um, I think it's 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 in stone. We're going to have one debate now, at least. Whether we have another one is going to be determined by how well Biden believes he performs. But I have it the other way. If he performs well, I don't think he goes back at all. Uh, I think he walks away and says, I showed up. He doubted my mental capacity. I'll show up again when he shows me his taxes. Okay. And if that's, that's, so that is the danger of the Trump campaign putting so much of their strategy and getting Biden on that debate stage. As you lower his expectations so that if he's at least a functional human being, people will feel like, okay, I think he's safe. If he blows it, I think he absolutely has to come back. So Josh, always good to see you, man. Thanks for being with us here today. As always. You got it. You bet. All right, when we come back here to lead off hour two, we're, I'm going to make sure we have plenty of time for Feedback Friday. I'm not going to spend a, a good deal of time on this because we have some stuff I want to respond to because you, you guys have sent us some really cool responses. But there's a level of, of uh, it's beyond lying. It's just deception. It, it's just, uh, you know, maybe that's a good word because it has some spiritual connotations to it at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. There is a level of deception you're being told about herd immunity. I, I have to, I, I just wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't debunk it. All right? I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't debunk it. And we won the argument against coronavirus. That's why you're getting more and more of your life back. We won the argument. I mean, the headlines yesterday, the New York Times basically waving the white flag. Europe moves on to have to learn to live with it phase. Okay. I mean, all of Europe, essentially, except for the... I don't know what's going on in the UK. I mean, it's just... It, it's bipolar. I mean, the, the, the cabinet, the BBC is doing... The BBC is doing forums now. Can we open the country up? And Boris Johnson's like, I don't think we should have meetings of more than six people anywhere. I, it, I, it, I don't know what's happening there. But collectively, the rest of Europe is moving towards the Swedish model. We just have to figure out how to mitigate who's sick and, and vulnerable and learn to live with it. We cannot afford another wave of lockdowns. 
so you're being uniquely lied to here. And I would not have been doing my job today if I didn't debunk this. I'm going to do that when we come back. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, all of you at 888-900-3393. You can also reach us via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. At Steve Dace Show, parlor at Steve Dace, and check out our new YouTube page, youtube.com slash Steve Dace, and the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. If you are a podcast listener, thank you. We love you every bit as much as we love everybody else. All right. We're lovers. We're not fighters here. And we're not selfish lovers, but that's not important now. Okay. Uh, But anyway, for you podcast folks, you can show that you love us back. Hit that subscribe button and also leave us a five-star review if you haven't done those things already. Thank you to all of you that have done those things. You're helping us to grow the podcast. And the more it grows, the more our bankroll, I'm sorry, the more likely we are to get to continue to do this for a living. And I think, I think all of us, at least the three of us, we want that. We'll get to some feedback Friday here in a moment. I've been teasing this since the show began but I've got to get to this here first, all right? But first, let me tell you about Gabby Insurance. When you've had the same car insurance or homeowner's insurance for years, you kind of get trapped into paying your premiums and not even thinking about it, just kind of rote, convenient, right? That makes it really easy to overpay and you don't even realize it. So stop overpaying for car and homeowner's insurance and see instead about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have, thanks to Gabby. They take the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison for your current coverage with 40 of the top providers and nationwide names like, well, nationwide, travelers, others. Just link your current insurance account and in minutes you're gonna be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. I did this actually last week. And here's what I found out. And Gabby told me this. I already have like the best value in coverage for the price that I'm currently paying. And so if you're if you've if you've already done a good job of shopping, Gabby will tell you. All right. On average, though, Gabby customers can save $825 a year. So if you are thinking, I don't know, though, sounds like maybe it's one of those data mining places. Nope, they don't ever sell your info. You won't get any annoying spam or robocalls. It's totally free to check your rate, and there's no obligation. Just takes a few minutes right now. Stop overpaying on your car and homeowner's insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash Dace. That's G-A-B-I for Gabby.com slash dace all right i I was just gonna let this go because there's a million rabbit trails i can't follow them all god bless you guys you're sending me questions and stuff all the time i'm not the cdc man i I, i'm pretty prolific when it comes to churning out content um i'm probably on the higher end of achiever uh in my line of work where that's concerned but we're also just one show and i'm just one guy all right and i've and me, thank God there's been all these independent researchers and, and people like Schachtel and Horowitz and others, because what we're trying to do is is the job that the CDC has, a, you know, a, a, a billion dollar budget doing and should have been doing all along. Okay. So I'm trying to pick and choose my spots right now of what to push back on, especially because we're winning the narrative war. You know, I got this book over my shoulder here that... Ten Commandments of Political Warfare, Rules for Patriots, right? Okay, don't argue down, right?
Meaning if I'm if I'm arguing with someone I've already defeated or I'm arguing with somebody who has a lesser platform than me, I'm giving them access to mine to, to give their message. So I should not do that unless it's strategically beneficial or necessary for me to do so. And so I'm, I'm hesitant about how much of this stuff now we're still pushing back on because we've won a lot of these arguments and they're just kind of retread arguments and I don't want us to, you know, get caught circling the drain because this, you, can, you can just feel in most places in the country the psychology of this has changed. Meaning, and I've alluded to this before, meaning there might be a whole lot of people that have never even heard of the research shows like this have been doing all this year. And they don't even care to quantify why they're being scammed. They just can't afford to be scammed anymore. They, they, you know, we did the spring fling, you know, with the panic porn. I hunkered down. I bought all the toilet paper. I bought all the hand sanitizer. And then the unemployment checks ran out. And I, I want to get my kids out of the house. They want out of the house. So it was fun while it lasted. But sorry, Sandra Lee, Sandra D, I got to head back to Rydell High. Right? We've, we've talked about that. I think, that's, I think that is driving that I, I would love to say we won it's all the research we're doing and they've waved the, i wish that was the case but i kind of think it's most mostly driven by the same psychology that was driving the panic it, at a time it was convenient for people to be panicked especially when they're being subsidized to be panicked they're no longer getting subsidized to be panicked so it's not as convenient anymore right and so they're like i don't care if this doesn't affect me if, if, if what it is I know this, I can't pay my mortgage next month, so back to work and have a good day at school, kids. We'll pick you up at five, right? Yes. Okay. But this is one I've got to take on. And it's this question of herd immunity. First of all, what is herd immunity? <laughs> yeah, I know, Todd. Okay. It's actually what vaccines were invented to get us to faster. Now, they don't want to use this term now. Anthony Fauci is trying the term umbrella immunity. That's the one they're trying now, okay? It's a little bit like gun control doesn't work anymore, so we're going to go with gun violence, right? And it's because, as I've told you before, yeah. when in the past before coronavirus, any time people came at me hard as an anti-vaxxer, the first thing they come at you with is herd immunity all the time. Because that's what vaccines are. So, well, before we got into this big pharma era of therapeutics and calling them vaccines, okay, the, 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 the goal of vaccination when we were taking on smallpox, when we were taking on um, uh, uh, polio, the goal was to get the community to the herd immunity threshold, the HIT as fast as possible. Okay? That's the, that was the goal. To, and Because that's the threshold of when a community has enough inherent immunity that it can isolate and or push back on a contagion in order to weaken the strain. Now, we've been doing this as a species for thousands of years. It's it's why we didn't die out in the 14th century with the Black Plague, okay? And, and it, the principles of this actually go all the way back to Leviticus, isolating the or quarantining and isolating the sick, the vulnerable, okay? That's actually where leper colonies came from. You know, Jesus healed people of leper. Did he, did he, did he castigate the Jews for having leper colonies? 
Did he tell them that was bad? No. No. Where did the ideas of doing this come from? From their own law, actually. Isolating the sick, not letting them infect everyone else. Okay? Those are proto-versions of how we ultimately develop the science known as herd immunity. There's a lot more to it, and a lot of it, frankly, beyond my means, because I'm not a virologist or an immunologist. But this is just the basics that you need to know. The vaccinations originally were intended to get us to a place of herd immunity so that we could get people immune before they ever got sick and died. So we wouldn't have to do this the hard way. That's why we did this. Meaning we wouldn't have to expose a certain amount of people and then eventually the strain would weaken once it's ran through enough of the community or the culture. What they don't want to tell you, the reason the Trump White House, I'll just tell you, I haven't told you this yet, but I'll tell you today because we're talking about it. The reason the Trump White House is calling herd immunity a strategy is, is because they didn't believe politically they could afford to do what Sweden is doing. Meaning, Sweden's deaths, deaths per one million were higher than ours for several months, and now they're dramatically lower, and dramatically lower than most of the world's, actually. But for a time, to get there, they did have a higher death rate, one of the highest in the world. But in a country of 10 million people, those numbers don't add up the way that they do in a country of 331, okay? So... It's a presidential election year. You're already pushing back on the talking point that 200,000 people have died with COVID, and that was with you doing lockdowns and everything else. Now, imagine if you don't do any of that. This is what the Trump White House was thinking. If we don't do any of that, those numbers could double, triple, quintuple. We get to a million dead. And it would still be, by the way, it would still be the same people that the virus has already killed. Meaning, if we let it run its course to get to herd immunity... And we had 400,000 people die as of today than 200,000. It would still be the median death rate, 78. Uh, still the same comorbidities. Still the nursing homes. You see what I'm saying? That, that number wouldn't filter down into, that's not how, it, it, it doesn't work that way. It would still be the same people that were going to be affected, would have been affected. It just would have been more of them. Now, I don't agree with that analysis. Because I think you're forgetting that there's a second part of this equation, which is the healthy people are out and about pushing back on it now. And look what's happened in the Sunbelt wave, where the death rate there was nowhere near where it was in New York and New Jersey. Despite all kinds more, four, what was it, four times more population. Look at the case rate that Aaron showed you in the state of Florida, where their numbers are at. The exact opposite of what's going on in Hawaii with social distancing, masks, everything. Because to a vaccine, what is it? It's an attenuated virus. Yes. To your point, what does a virus do when it goes through a healthy uh, population? It attenuates naturally. Yes. Which is a nice way of saying weakens. Yes. Okay. That's the that's the fancy uh, fancy pants term for it weakens. Now, so Sweden, the reason why. They didn't see a colossal death count in Sweden, and they had no second wave. Is because, yes, they had the initial hit. There's no question about that. 
And they acknowledge it. And they acknowledge that. But then once it got to the people that you're talking about, because they weren't hiding in their basements, you saw this play out in the Sun Belt, guys. You saw it play out in the Sun Belt. Right now, the average age for a new case in Florida has been 21 since July. And look what's happened in their state. It's, it's weakened or attenuated, as Todd used the technical term. And that's what's happened in Sweden. Is, is yes, they got the initial, they had the initial problematic metrics. But now they're on the back end, and now they're actually successfully pushing back against it. So, the, so in my opinion, the White House only considered one half of the herd immunity equation. And I get why they only considered one half. They didn't want to take the risk in a presidential election year. Same reason George W. Bush let whatever, whatever the Anbar province descend into madness until the election. And then after the election, did something about it. He was concerned about body bags and everything else coming out of Iraq and what that would mean for his reelect. That's why they consider herd immunity a strategy. That's what they mean by that over there at the Trump White House. That's not, though, what your lefty media means by it. They're acting as if it's voodoo. And here's the lie you're being told about this. Okay? So the same people that want you to stay home until we get a vaccine, which is supposed to get us to what now? What's a vaccine supposed to get us to? Herd immunity. Herd immunity. Are the same people now criticizing and acting as if herd immunity is not real science. And one of the things you're seeing is we'd have to have like 200 million people infected because we have to get to 60%. Now, where did they get that number? Um, from vaccinations. Because when you're because when with vaccines, you're trying to preemptively uh, inject people before they get sick, right? You go get a flu vaccine to not get the flu, right? So I don't have the flu right now. I go get a flu vaccine so that I hope that I don't get it later. Correct? Right. Right. Okay. So the reason why the herd immunity threshold with vaccinations, and sometimes it's actually higher, like 75%. And the reason why is because you don't know who has it or who's going to have it or who's going to get sick. So you have to vaccinate masses of people with random sampling to try to get ahead of the epidemiological curve. You have to oversample who you vaccinate. You have to oversample because you don't know who's going to get it. How You have no idea how weak will the strain be? How strong will it be? You don't know any of that yet. That's why we're doing the flu vaccines right now around the country in mid-September. We're still two months away from it being the hard core, maybe even three in some parts of the country where you're right into the meat and potatoes of flu season. So herd immunity threshold is higher because we don't know who's going to get it yet. We don't know what the strain is yet. And so we got to get ahead of it. So we're going to get a whole bunch of people vaccinated so that it's, it's like, it's like, it's like outbreak insurance. All right. We've got a built in cachet of people with immunity who that whenever the strain shows up and no matter how bad it is, we are, have the ability to push back against it. So it doesn't spread through our neighborhood schools and everything like wildfire. You're still with me. Oh, you know, I'm with you. Okay. Um, However, in this case, we do know who gets it. We do know who has it. We do know who's going to, who's most likely to get it. See, the flu is not discriminatory. Infants, children, the healthy, unhealthy, uh, compromised immune systems, healthy immune systems. The flu doesn't care. In this case, we got a pretty stout epidemiological profile of who's getting this thing to the point that they would be contagious or uh, require hospitalization or treatment and who does not. We got a pretty good idea with this one. 
And the other thing that they came up with this number where they're going this number is they're going with the case rate and not the infection rate. This is the biggest lie of the whole thing right here. Because cases don't tell me how many people actually has something. That's why we do so many vaccinations. Because the herd immunity threshold is not based on the case rate, but on the infections. Because people are going to get it without being tested or we know have it. Or they're going to get it and never go to a hospital and just stay home and treat it. But then maybe get their family members sick. That's why we go by the infection rate, not the case rate. That's why we do antibody testing so that we have an idea of how infectious something actually is. Which I know you and I both read a story this morning about the T-cell, T-cell immunity and yeah, naturally yeah. we're finding more and more about that. Yeah, there's now been six published peer-reviewed studies on this. That cellular immunity, which lasts longer in the body than an antibody immunity does, can inoculate up to 20 to 50% of any given population against COVID-19 because you've already been exposed to coronavirus so much in your life because it's one of the more common cold strains we have. Now, I'm going to set all of that aside because that's that gets into a more complicated conversation than I'm comfortable having. That's why I post links to those studies because those people know a lot more about it than me. Let's just set aside, we don't, let's pretend we don't know what T-cell immunity is. Let's pretend we don't know what cellular immunity is. We've never heard of it. Cellular immunity, what is it? And let's just go with the good old-fashioned, did I have antibodies or not? That kind of most people know how that works, right? Okay. The actual infection fatality rate for COVID-19 in America. Now, CDC is telling you it's 0.6. And the flu is 0.1, which means it's much deadlier than the flu, but we still wouldn't have shut the country down over a contagion that was 0.6. We did it because Anthony Fauci told us it was going to be one, like 1% of everybody that got it died. He told that to Congress. That's why we did it. It's actually even lower than 0.6, though, by CDC's own metrics. See, CDC did antibody testing in at least 10 states around the country back in the spring. And what they found is that 11 to 24 times more people in every one of these states had antibodies than had been picked up by the current cases. Now, did we have, when CDC did these antibody tests in April, did we have less or fewer cases in April than we do today, Todd? Less. Uh, Yes, we had substantially less, which also therefore would mean what? If we redid those antibody tests today, would we have less or more implied immunity with an antibody study? Because they didn't do antibody testing in Texas. They didn't do antibody testing in Georgia at the time. You know, places where we had the Sunbelt wave, Arizona. It'd be higher because we did have waves. It did go to certain places and certain places just get it no matter what they do, Right. Okay. Yes. Which means we've got all kinds more people now that we just never bothered to never bother to get a test. Didn't even know that they had it. But let's just let's forget all of that too, and let's just go with the numbers we have today. So CDC is saying that they're that they're actually operating off of the premise that there's ten times more infections for for COVID than testing has acquired. Then 
even though their own antibody testing showed it was more than that, it was more than that. We'll just go with their numbers. Because if you go by what the antibody tests show, you actually get down to an infection fatality rate of the flu, 0.1. You do. <laughs> okay, but we'll, we, we won't do that. We'll just go with what their official policy is. We could. We could. We could, based on their data. Yes. We could do it, not by making it up, by their own antibody testing data. We could do that, okay? And still, we haven't even gotten to the cellular immunity thing yet. We're, we're, we're going to just table that, though, okay? But we could, based on their data. We won't, though. We'll just go by their own policy. If you go by their own policy... That means there's been about 68 million infections of COVID-19 in America. Ten times the current number of cases we're reporting. Which means if you then divide that by the amount of deaths, the current infection fatality rate for COVID-19 is 0.2. What did I say flu was? 0.1. That tells you that all of the numbers you're being shared with about herd immunity and these high numbers of 200 million Americans, it's either these people are, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they are very bad at this. I, what finally forced me to respond to this is I've been seeing this all week and then I just saw a tweet from MSNBC before we went on the air and I'm like, enough, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to attack this. This is such a lie. Hey, having been on MSNBC so many times, I think it's entirely possible that some operative or some somebody over, you know, Anthony Fauci sent them this and they just took it for granted and read it. it you know, it could just be it fits their bias. It could also be just flat out malevolence. Regardless of what it is, it's wrong. It's wrong, folks. It's wrong. And it's wrong because it begins with the wrong numerator and denominator. Other than that, great math. Other than the fact both parts of your fraction are wrong. Great math. You nailed it. It has the wrong numerator and denominator on both ends because it goes by case, case rate, not infection rate. And therefore, it has, it's dividing by the wrong number. Because it's assuming there's only 6.7 million cases when there's 67.7 million cases. Other than that, though, I mean, you guys just stuck the landing, man. I mean, you couldn't have done it better, really. Brilliant. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. You're giving multiple benefit of the doubts here on multiple fronts. Or giving them the maximum amount of leeway here on multiple fronts i know big 10 you football's back i'm in a good mood yeah, you mentioned soft. well you mentioned uh well it's not a criticize, cr criticism i'm just going to further your point here you mentioned a, a few minutes ago how the, the seroprevalence studies actually found a greater than 10 times yes difference between uh case fatality rate and infection fatality rate again in you know these people are largely from the new york area who work in in media uh, so they don't really remember the other 49 states. And, you know, what happens again if you take out the disastrous decisions in New York and Florida or New York, I should say, and New Jersey to see nursing homes with covid positive patients at the very front end of this outbreak? 
you take away some of the largest states in the east, the, the, the tri-state area, and what do you get? You get it on factors even lower than what we're talking about here. So that just underscores you're giving as much leeway as possible to these to these fools. And I do believe there's a CNN editor, overnight editor or something, the other day who who was pushing this panic porn and he deleted his tweet which he because he just got killed for it just completely got killed for it I, I do believe some of what's driving this obviously is just is just they're really trying to push the panic i just think in that particular case and i think in a lot of these cases there's just no thought thought have you given any thought to your future son thought uh that's basically what it is I, I just think they're really bad at this. Todd, I want to get your thoughts on this here in, uh, in, in just a moment. But did you know that the average American has 97 points they can add to their credit score, but probably has no idea how to get there? Scoremaster wants to help you with that. They're the new credit science that super boosts your credit score. Forget about raising your score. Just a few points with Scoremaster. Because the average Scoremaster user raises their credit score 61 points and in 20 days or less. How? Because... When you've been turned down before and they had that credit report and all those stapled pages and a lot of it you can't understand, ScoreMaster empowers you with the information so you know how you have the score that you have and then can show you a direct path on how to fix it. They put your financial future in your hands, where it belongs, not in the hands of the banks. I mean, after all, this determines, can I get a house? Can I get a car? What kind of rate do I get when I finance that? Sometimes, can I get a job? More and more employers are looking at credit scores and doing credit checks before making hirings as well. So right now you can enroll in minutes, see how many plus points that ScoreMaster can help you add to your credit score when you visit scoremaster.com slash Steve. That's scoremaster.com slash Steve. I just want to stress, you know, it's one thing hearing this from me, but to hear it from Steve, who is not a vaccine skeptic, he is simply relying on ancient wisdom that has been known for a long, long time. He hasn't had to, you know, he or other people haven't, hadn't, it's not like that Apollo 13, uh, that, that great movie with Tom Hanks where they, like, they had a, the air canister was broken and they just had to like uh, makeshift do something. No, this is not created out of thin hair. This is a known. You know who it agrees with, Steve? Scott Atlas from Stanford University. That's why he's on the Trump team now. He's told you this is ancient wisdom of uh, virology and immunology. The newest wisdom in all of this is the vaccine magic that has clouded our thinking of this. There's the it's Steve has talked to you about science versus scientism. Mm -hmm. There is science, obvious science, as Steve has laid out, behind vaccination. But then there is the scientism, the religious voodoo that has made us incapable and by us i'm including all these doctors these phds that steve is talking about that it's there's no good answer to are they this inept or are they this willing to lie lie to us in the name of science to craft whatever flat earth they deem necessary and trust we all know that science has been used in the name of various flat earth causes before to the tune of millions dead so all steve is doing is doing a level of science that is quite frankly remedial math level we do, there's lots of fancy stained glass window science terms and things like that but he 
he, the wisdom of the ages backs him up. It really, really does. Which makes the motivations of those in charge right now in the professions of science all the scarier. So what if we had pursued herd immunity like Sweden did? What if we had pursued it from the outset? What do I believe would have happened? Well, I think we know. We have a control group in Sweden. All right, but I think that's actually the baseline of what would have happened. Okay? See, I think if we had pursued this strategy, then we would have been much more diligent about protecting our elderly from the outset. We'd have been much more diligent about protecting the, the known, the known um, uh, vulnerable from the very outset. We would have, because we would not have spent all the time and energy convincing healthy people, stay home, penalizing you for staying home, whatever we had to mobilize to get you to stay home. None of that effort would have so been done. So the opposite of Governor Cuomo. Yes. Instead, what we would have, would have done is, is incorporated that entire effort into protecting the most vulnerable among us. Okay? So I, I think I, I think we actually... I also think we would have been more precise in how we coded things because everything was now so out in the open. All right. And there is no incentive to just start upcoding people as, you know, I jumped off a building motorcycle, the case in Florida, the guy, the motorcycle accident, but tested positive and with his, uh, with his uh, autopsy. So they made it a COVID. None of that, none of that stuff is going down. I believe if we had pursued the herd immunity strategy, because our vested interest would have been the other way. The system would have been incentivized to make this process work as opposed to the incentivization it was given to collapse the system because we were scared to death of collapsing the hospitals, right? Instead, we would have incentivized our motivations the other way. So I think our numbers would actually have been better if we had pursued the herd immunity strategy instead. We'll get to Feedback Friday in a moment. I'm going to keep my promise as we get started with Feedback Friday. I'm going to begin it with something explicitly theological because we didn't get a chance to do Theology Thursday yesterday and I heard from several of you that were disappointed. Just a rare scheduling mishap, my bad, but we're going to make it up to you right now. With this note as we start Feedback Friday from Scale Inley, who writes, I attended a Catholic private school in rural Australia. And it gave me, I guess I'll say, a fairly good appreciation of the faith. But I went in an agnostic and came out an atheist. Because of my religious education, though, my friends ask me questions all the time here in Australia I don't have answers to. And I was wondering if you could help. Why is pride, number one, a sin, number two, a deadly sin, and number three, the worst of the deadly sins? What is the difference between pride, self-respect, and self-confidence? When the Alphabet Squad is marching down the street during a pride rally, what do they think pride means? And seeing it, what do you think their pride means? What's the deal with folks being proud of their nation or race or really anything? This is one of the best questions we've ever been asked on Theology Thursday, actually. One of the best. And and I, I'm kind of surprised we haven't tackled this topic already ourselves or we didn't get asked about it. But maybe it's just because it's hidden in plain sight. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But here's the difference between pride as the Bible defines it and pride in a way that maybe an honor culture would define it. 
Okay. And you you wanted to know if if my definition of pride would be different than the uh, the Alphabet Squad um, in their pride rally. Actually, no, <laughs> no. Our definitions of pride. I I think they think what I think their pride is, and what they think their pride is, is the same. That's why I'm opposed to it. This is one of the cases actually where we're not seeing it differently. We're seeing it the exact same. But that's why I'm opposed to it, okay? But we'll get to that too in a second, okay? But the reason why pride is a sin and a deadly sin, and the worst of the deadly sins, is because the root of all sin is pride. The root of all sin, meaning where it begins, where it's first planted. And it's pride as in the, as it's defined in this case biblically, I can be like God. The prophet Isaiah, when he's describing the fall of Lucifer, Lucifer says, I will be like the Most High. I will be like God. That's the lie that he, that he tempted Adam and Eve with. You can be like God. That, that we are equal in him in power. We can build a tower. And, 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 and force our way up to dealing with him as an equal. We can marshal our potential and overcome our weaknesses as a species that way, without God. We can earn God's favor. That we are, we are on a plane with him, that there's something from us that, um, that he can only acquire by our striving and effort. And that's how we'll get his favor and approval. These things all begin scale from the premise that we are equal to God or can make ourselves equal to God if given certain knowledge or accomplish certain feats or hold certain beliefs. And we can't ever make ourselves equal to God. There is God is God and we are not. Now, our notions of a lot of what we in the West have historically called pride actually come from this recognition. And we established originally what was known as an honor-based culture. There's no such thing as self-esteem is never referenced in the Bible. Instead, lay down your life. Pick up your cross. Sacrifice for others. But the idea that we just have this asceticism that we just, you know, um, are constantly, we, we, we are constantly in a state of remorse and decline in order to show our humility is not true either. And so when we, in, the, in Western culture, when we've traditionally talked about pride prior to secularizing, what we, what we meant was because of the salvation you've been given, because of the, the truth that you've been shown, because of the values that have been passed on to you, because of the legacy of, the, of all those things I just said, because of the legacy, therefore, you inherit. Stand up. Take a stand. Fulfill your calling, your destiny. That we found pride in loving the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving our neighbor as we, as, in loving, as we love ourselves. 
and loving our wives as Christ loved the church and our wives respecting us at the same time, that we found our, our worth came from living out the purpose and passions for which we were made. And that's why we held our head up high. Because it was not based on self-esteem that holding pride in those things did not create, did not esteem us, but demanded honor instead. Honor. Do not ruin our family's reputation. Honor. There's a base expectation built in that when you step into this belief system, you assent to this. That's part of the deal. Now, what the Alphabet Squad is saying is they are rejecting all of that. They're beginning from the premise, I wasn't made male. I wasn't made female. I have different desires than my equipment. That must mean, therefore, I was made wrong. And I should act on those desires instead of my manufacturing. And my pride comes from, I am my own God. I made the decision what gender I am or if I have a gender at all. This wasn't given to me by some creator. And if it was, he, she, or it messed up. So it's up to me to rectify it and to fix it. And if you don't let me fix it in the way that affirms my desires, then you're an intolerant bigot, of course. That's the difference. I have confidence when I go speak on this show and in front of an audience. Because I've seen the evidence, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen, except I've, I've, I've seen also plenty of visible evidence. How God took a kid born to a 15-year-old mom who barely made it out of community college and gave me unique talents and abilities and opportunities to maximize them that got me to where I am today. And that's why I speak with confidence when I'm on this show. That's why I speak with confidence when I'm in front of an audience. It comes from knowing that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's where that confidence comes from. So I'm not intimidated. That's different than I make my own path. I build my own path. I build my own tower. I did this. It's all about me. That's the difference between the, the sin of pride and then the pride that comes from the expectations that go along with, with being created in the image of God and the honor that you are expected to live up to as part of carrying that mark. Does that make sense? Oh, total. It's, this is not one heresy among many that happens to have like accidentally tripped 
into the label pride th- this is this is cosmic it because it takes us right back to the beginning and i've talked about this uh on the show before as heinous uh as abortion is and uh it, it tapped in uh to the murder of innocence that uh goes into cain and abel but before the confusion of cain and abel you have the gender confusion in the garden that you have laid out yes uh Eve was the one who sinned and took the bite first, but we've talked about it on the show, the great sin of uh, Adam. Where was he? He was AWOL. The duty of uh, man and woman to one another, that was laid out explicitly at the very beginning, and it was the very first confusion. Did did God really say Mm -hmm. that the devil entered into this game uh, called life? Uh, So it's, it's not just one confusion among many that happens to be called pride. The fact that you are talking about the pride, the LGBTQ parade, speaks fundamentally to the confusion of original sin. I've got to read this note. Okay, I've got to make sure this next one. Did we? Was that? Are we theologically sufficient? Did we do a somewhat of a make good for theology Thursday? Aaron gives us a thumbs up, so okay. we're good. All right, this one you guys have got to hear this. Okay, I'm going to withhold his name, and when I read the note, you're going to know why. I work for a national sports media website. Um, doesn't quite do the traffic of an ESPN, but it still has a brand name and strives to be a thought leader in the sports world. The editorial staff isn't huge, so there's a pretty free flow of information in our company Slack channel. And during daily editorial meetings, the most vocal voices on staff are proudly left-wing, and they're quick to champion any story from that point of view. And yes, many of them seem to be openly rooting for COVID shutdowns of sports all this year. So if Joe Biden has an ad about empty stadiums, it's suggested by someone right away that we need to do a story on it. On the flip side, when President Trump weighs in on the NBA walkout, it's deemed as not worthy of writing because it doesn't add to the conversation. So apparently the most powerful man in the world commenting on the biggest sports story of the year with any point whatsoever is is not relevant at all. When Dana White praises Trump at the RNC, he's the guy that runs uh, UFC, right? Uh, It's just more of the same. No need to write about it in our Slack channel. When Tyler Eifert writes to honor David Dorn on the back of his helmet, no one in our Slack channel mentions it. When Nebraska parents sue the Big Ten, it's literally met with an LOL in Slack and called a waste of time. When President Trump personally takes an active role in getting Big Ten football back, the reaction is literally, quote, file this one under he's full of blank end quote, and no story is written. When it seems to have actually helped, everyone gets upset and reluctantly acknowledges maybe then we should write about it. I do my part to at least offer up reasons why these stories matter, but it's clear everyone has tuned me out and I'm just the resident hate monger. On our edit, our editor-in-chief is a nice guy, but he, let, but he lets a late 20-something social justice warrior call the shots on any social justice story even though she's technically not even one of the editors the bias is real and the inmates are running the asylum. I'm sure I'm not telling anyone things they probably don't already know. But I always think it's important to point out that with the media, it's not all about fake news or outright lies and out of context quotes. What's most telling is the stuff that they just don't even flat out let you see is the news at all. I I brought up a Nazi analogy earlier in the show. I I, and I do so unapologetically again. This is Goebbels level propaganda that is pervasive in every level of media. It's nothing short of that. 
It's also an echo, 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 echo. I mean, it's just at its. It is propaganda. It, it is propaganda. Uh, but my goodness, just the level of of lack of curiosity at any levels. I mean, what's the journalism is still out there, guys? I mean, two, three months ago, we had that we had that story from the Fox affiliate in Orlando about how uh, all those overcounts of cases. That was actual journalism. There was some, hey, this doesn't seem light. Let's look into this a little bit more. In Nashville, a Fox affiliate in Nashville this week. Hey, I uncovered these emails. I'm going to confront these people and continue to pursue this this story. But when it comes, I mean, those 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 types of examples are few and and far in between. Instead, it's just an echo chamber like listening to that email chain it's just it's just the it's just disgusting and it's kind of gross honestly you feel like you need to take a shower yep because it's just all one it's uh it's for the greater good it's just all one uh drinking the kool-aid uh, jerking each other off essentially and that that's basically <laughs> what it is I, it's just it's just disgusting all right football is on is uh, around the corner coming up this weekend if you're going to take advantage of legalized sports wagering where you live a couple of things you need number one bankroll management same thing if you're going to play stocks bonds any kind of speculative investment enterprise make sure you have uh, money management down you're not going to spend more than you can afford but the good news is when you go to my bookie here's the second thing to know uh, they're going to double your initial deposit when you use my initials SD as your promo code use the promo code SD so if the bankroll you're going to play with this year is 50 bucks They'll make it 100. It's 100 bucks. They'll make it 200. All right. Um, and you can get up to $1,000 if you're new as well with free play as well. But number one is bankroll management. Make sure you have an amount of money going in that you're willing to speculate on your favorite team or the games you care about. And you're not going over that. And they'll double that right now when you use the promo code SD at my bookie. All right. That's where you want to go. Promo code SD. In order to get double your deposit to play this season at my bookie. All right, gentlemen, final thoughts on the program. Uh, my final thought to tap into something, Aaron. I am genuinely worried about the uh, the Big Ten games that will be lost because of just a draconian standard that has been set. Uh, it's it's absurd. It's, I'm grateful the they're playing, is, but the, it's absurd. The, the testing standard is, is is absurd. You're right, but the testing they're using should mitigate a good amount of the absurdity. I don't think it'll mitigate all of it. I don't. But it should mitigate because the number one reason these games are being canceled, and it's about 14% of the games around the country, college football so far, have been canceled, is the contact tracing. You know, the the amount of, okay, because this time of year, if you're a player testing positive, who are you almost always only around? Your own teammates, right? Mm-hmm. So that means we got to isolate you guys. Okay, and then, you know, who has it, who doesn't the kind of antigen testing they're using should eliminate almost all of the need for that contact tracing. But I agree that the standards are draconian. You're right about that. Aaron. Yeah, I would say um, going back to the conversation on pride, I I have a kind of a working pride. Pride in this context is confidence in my will be done. Humility, true humility is confidence still 
in thy will be done. I think that's a key. And that's I a would great way of putting uh, it. absolutely echo. There is no mistaking the rainbow and the pride as the monikers for that movement. It is definitely intentional. That's going to do it. Have a great weekend. We will see you on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.